Welcome to No Go Area, the podcast that takes you to places where we probably shouldn't go. And you never know, it might just get dirty. Ah, hello, hello, hello. How are you doing, mate? I'm alright, thank you. Yeah, how are you? Uh, Great. It's been too long, again. It has. It has. But, well, you know, I mean, we've, we've been pretty busy all over the place and uh yeah you know i think that's the first thing we're going to get into really isn't it you know? uh, yeah so um musically busy amongst other yeah. things yeah both of us i mean gigs gigs what what are those <laughs> oh, been a while. they're fun but they're tiring i've sort of i need to get match fit again i think yeah i totally agree i totally agree i've i've absolutely lost my stamina yeah i'll see you and i've suddenly realized how heavy some of my guitars are (laughs) i I know they're not as heavy as a bass but no but still yeah yeah (laughs) which uh well that brings me on to uh my bass because i mean you know i I know we've talked about it off air but um essentially the one that i'd ordered back in may um just never came um, no. I kept pushing the delivery date back and it was going to be this month. And I thought, well, I can't wait because I'd agreed to do a gig on bass um, <laughs> with a, a reduced lineup of my own band where uh, they ditched the guitarist, i.e. me. And then and then the bass player couldn't do it and you weren't available. No. So um, I had a mad panic on then uh, actually acquiring a, a bass and a bass amp and uh learning 21 numbers in less than a week so oh. that was that was pretty I don't, en- I don't envy you and that's like my job <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know well i mean you imagine if i said to you right you know all those numbers on bass but you've got less than a week now to learn them all on guitar and you've got oh. to get the bass lines out of your head right yeah it's just impossible for me oh it's really yeah. really nightmarish but i can't play more than one string at a time anyway <laughs> oh, right. well I, I i mean there you go by the time i actually got there for the gig and i was totally de-stressed it was um one of those mad things where you're playing outdoors in a little marquee well not even a marquee under a gazebo so oh, pe- right. people running past in the swansea half marathon 40th anniversary that's why they had oh, bands lovely. yeah and it, it was lovely and and by the, by the time i got there i got all the stress out of the way throughout yeah the week and i was pretty confident set the bass and the amp up and it it sounded absolutely how i want it to sound perfect you know oh, that's what but, i like you know i bought one of those little hofner short scale club basses and yeah. um, I, I wish i'd spent a bit more money on the german made one but the budget at the time said, uh, no, you can have a cheap bass and an amp or an expensive bass and no amp. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's, it still sounds exactly how I want it to sound. And being a short scale, very small bodied thing, you know, it's, it's not a big sort of movement away from playing a guitar, really. Uh, no, it's sort of more suited to your normal sort of playing position then. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, yeah. But not only that, um, it's the lightest instrument I've got. <laughs> you wouldn't believe That's it, would fantastic. you? fantastic. No. Because it's, it's hollow. And, yeah. God, oh, geez, I love it. Anyway, um, that's, that's good. The, that's because good. I love it, 
I wish I'd spent more money on the German made one. Yeah. No, we with hindsight, isn't it? You know, you you have to get the bits for the gig. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I mean, at some stage, I may upgrade. You know. Yeah, yeah. I we'll mean, see. yeah, that's a good idea. So I need to try that amp out, though. I need to oh, try yeah. your amp out. Oh, yeah. listen, it's it it's like a, a it's heavy. One. It is heavy, yeah. but it it sounds great, really great. Oh. I mean, I absolutely love it for its that's sound. Good. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to sort out, um, not amplifier problems, but trying to get an extra cabinet uh, right. for my current rig. Uh, I'm trying to get one on, on the cheap by going direct to the company. Right. And, and sorting but, some deal out. It's not going very well so far. Yeah, okay, all right. But do they deal, <laughs> do, will they deal directly, though? Because a lot of companies won't, will they? Uh, they will if you're sort of a prominent player. Yeah. Um, which I, oh, that's that's why I've had no of, luck then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying. Um, so sort of musically um, sort of connected. Yeah, uh, I've sort of upped my game playing wise, and by playing with as many different people and a lot of original artists, uh, my bass company, uh, who I play for, um, Overwater Basses, they've made me a featured artist on their roster. That helps, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm up there with the likes of, um, do you know scottsbasslessons.com? Yeah, yeah, another guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. with him. Um, Nick Kershaw's bass player. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Um, the bass player from Kajagugu. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and the bass player who was with One Direction and loads and loads of others as well. Okay. Um, so a really eclectic mix. So hopefully that's going to give me a bit of, bit more clout when I'm sort of approaching. Oh, that'd be great, mate. I mean, that's really sounding positive. And and bearing in mind you're like, well, only 29. uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, that's that's sounding good for the future. Yeah. And sort of like career-wise, musically, I'm really happy uh, where I am at the moment. Um, Yeah. Over the moon happy, which is great. (laughs) But I still want to try that amp out, though. Oh, yeah. Listen, mate, honestly... I just got the perfect sound out of it instantly. And I, and I know it probably wouldn't be your preferred choice to have a 15-inch speaker, but it's just fucking amazingly good for the money. You won't believe yeah. I paid for it. No. You know, because they were doing a deal. Actually, they were doing a deal on the 2x10 cab. Yeah. Uh, well, combo. And um, I thought, oh, well, that's a bit of a bugger. I, I really would have wanted a 15 and when it arrived, it was a 15. <laughs> and I weren't doing a deal on those ones, so... I, oh, well, well. Yeah. yeah. You know, you've done yourself well out of that. Oh, That's I did, cool. yeah. yeah. I have got yeah. a 115 here, but I just don't use it. I've used it on one gig once, and that was at the Salisbury City Hall. Um, uh, was that um, with Special Kind of Madness or something? It was, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was exactly, I think it was like four days before the... Um, Salisbury poisonings. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. If yeah. you were in the area, that's suspicious, that is. Oh, it yeah. is. We were yeah. in the same place. I had a pizza in the place where they found oh, the remnants. Yeah. Crikey. Bloody hell, mate. <laughs> Dodged a bullet oh. there, that's for sure. Oh, definitely. But yeah, 115s are great. They move a lot of air and they're good for the genre of music that you're playing and that I play predominantly as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. of course, um, we played our first gig uh, as the, the full Navarone's lineup with you on de- uh, Deppin on the bass for us. That's in, right. In uh, Weston a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I 
I loved it and I hated it at the same time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't like being shoved behind the keyboard player, i.e. No. my ex, Joe. <laughs> um, and uh, next to Shay on the drums. Oh, yeah. Because I knew that he'd be fine on a sound shack, but as soon as we started playing, he'd be twice as loud. And yes. I just couldn't hear a fucking thing. Not The no. monitors were great, but, you know, not great it's... enough. No, no, that's understandable. I mean, I was normally on these death gigs um, with that band. I normally stood next to you, um, but I was yeah. on the other side of the stage, which was quite funny, actually, because I got to talk to the brass section, which was nice. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Um, but did you notice as well, I mean, I mean, you'd said to me, oh, you know, if, if Shay starts playing too fast or too slow, I can control his speed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think you did. <laughs> I, oh, I tried. I really tried. But oh, there's only so much you can do. I couldn't get really his attention is. at all. No, no he was no, sort of, he, he just in the zone, just drumming. Yeah. That was he, it. he was either drumming or not drumming. <laughs> he, was, he was in the I've had eight pints zone, actually. Oh, God. You know, and, and it was only yeah. the other week he was telling me he'd stop drinking before gigs. Yeah. So, but anyway, he, uh, you know, he's not a regular drummer. So, uh, no. all being well, uh, the gig we've got tomorrow in Bristol should yes. be good. Should be blinder. I'm looking yeah. forward to that one. Uh, it's a great venue and a great sort of music scene over there. Yes. Well, I've got to- yeah, I've just got to go over, I think it's three songs on the set. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, that's that's less than me. I need to go through about 23. I just need uh, to go through Madness ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, they're awkward. They're awkward, an awkward They, they can be, yeah. <laughs> I, I, the worst one for me of those is um, actually Nightboat to Cairo, but I'm pretty sure I've nailed that on the bass now. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So I was going to say... Um, I've been battling with um, She Who Must Be Obeyed in the band for six months about testing out the PA system. Right. Right. Because oh, it hasn't had any use, has it? No. <laughs> 18 months, hasn't been used. It's been sat in a garage uh, where it gets condensation and stuff all through the winter. Yeah. Right? And we're talking about an expensive piece of equipment. And if it doesn't yes. work... On Saturday, we are fucked, royally fucked. Yeah. Right? Now, a few weeks ago, I managed to persuade them to at least let me try out the virtual mixer on a rehearsal that I wasn't playing on, right? Right. Okay. So it was one of these reduced lineup rehearsals. So I took the mixer. It's a virtual mixer, as you know. Uh, or I don't, maybe you haven't seen it actually. I think I've seen it once. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Well, we've used it maybe three times, oh, right? Right, okay. Spent before the pandemic kicked in. And, yeah. of course, I've fucking forgotten how to use it. <laughs> of in course. fact, if I'm really honest, I didn't know how to use it. Because no, we didn't have much time to sort of go through it, really. Well, no, as, as well, the, the bass player that, that, you know, that you dap for, our bass player, that actually, mostly he daps for you, really. Um, <laughs> That's a funny situation. Yeah. Well, he um, he uh, has got a similar mixer, and so he kind of took over on setting this thing up. Right. So I've never really had a good look at it. So I took it to rehearsals, and it just wasn't fucking doing anything. And no. I was pulling my hair out, and 
everybody's looking at me like I'm an absolute fucking dickhead. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying desperately to download some online manuals because it's all online manuals these oh, days, right? Yeah. And I've got like one bar of 3G and stuff like that. I, oh, no. Oh, my God. I was, so I, I did manage to get it to work in the end and like about half an hour from the end of the rehearsal. Um, which was a, a right pain in the ass. So I thought, right, I'm, I'm just going to have to do something before this gig this weekend. Yeah. So um, I struck a deal with uh, Joe's youngest son, Nico, you know, yeah. um, to give me a hand with it because he's actually helping me do the PA on tomorrow. Oh, that's right. So yeah. the problem we got is we're doing a PA for the support band as well. Yeah. You know, with these virtual mixers, when you set it up, it's it's just like a, a mixer on, say, like on you'd have perhaps on um, I don't know a garage band that or... type of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Um, but of course, um, you know, it's it's all virtual sliders and and, it, and it's not quite like garage band. If it was just like garage band, I'd be in it straight away, no problem. Yeah, of course. Right? But it's got all sorts of effects there and compressors and limiters and oh, gates good. and EQs, reverbs, you name it, um, monitor feeds, and nothing was fucking working, right? Oh, no. So anyway, so I'd done a deal with Nico that I'd help him test test out his band's PA um, oh. next week. Oh. If he helped me test out mine. So we... we <laughs> Found a little place. Um, That's a, a good room. deal. Yeah, found a found a room at the back of a gym in Bedwas, and oh right. So for twenty quid, we took all the gear up there and had two and a half hours just setting it up, and nothing fucking worked. Right. Oh, no. At one point, I was only getting sound out of one side of the PA, and it was really oh. really quiet. Yeah. Um, and then uh, nothing. And I tried all sorts and, you know, we had two monitors worked. One didn't. Yeah. And like, oh, fuck it. You know, you're testing cables everywhere. And I, I thought half of the power amp is down. You know, it's 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 two amps yeah. in one, basically, isn't it, right? Yeah. That's it. One side's down. I knew one of those, 385 quid. Oh. Right. Same thing. I thought, I just, I just don't have this kind of money anymore. No. And nobody in the band will put their hand in their pocket. So, you yeah. know, I thought we're fucked. Anyway, yeah. um, <clears throat> strangely, I think, because we've got an anti-feedback unit as well for front of house, uh, oh, just in good. case somebody decides he's going to wander in front of the speakers with his microphone whilst dancing oh. with the crowd. Yes. You know, I yeah. ask the singer. <laughs> so. Yeah. So um, I I think possibly one side of that wasn't working right and all of a sudden it kicked in and then the whole lot worked oh, and, and it, then it worked oh, consistently that's... Uh, oh that's good and then we we've managed to find out how to create a new scene if it is what they call it for basically another mixer so that we can run the next the, the support band on that uh do their sound check save it and then as soon and as they go on it's back. there and swipe and back, back two hours. Oh, that's cool. Boom, that's we're cool. in back in the room sort of thing, you know. Oh, and uh, anyway, we had out of 21 XLR cables, uh, only one of them failed. So that was good too. That's that pretty was the, good. That was the one going to the monitor that didn't seem to be working. Oh, uh, okay. I, I need to bring one of those. 
please, <laughs> yeah, please do. Because I bought a brand new monitor. Um, I, I've been trying to get the band. Siri's interrupting. Shut up, Siri. Um, so basically, I, I bought a brand new monitor, powered one, because I'm I'm sick of people pinching mine, yes. leaving me with nothing. Yeah. Um, so um, I managed to get a, a Behringer. It, you can use it as a PA speaker because it is essentially a PA speaker, but you can use it as yeah. a monitor as well. 12-inch uh, driver oh, with okay. a high-frequency horn. Mm, very nice. 1,000 watts. Jesus Christ. Right? <laughs> two, two channels, and you can even plug a USB in there if you want to do karaoke, which I don't. Oh. But 1,000 watts, 160 quid. Oh, you can't it, go wrong. And it's really it? compact. You know, yeah. really compact. So anyway, it was well worth uh, yeah. testing out all that stuff and finding oh, out how the bloody mixer definitely, worked. Definitely, definitely. Because I, I literally tomorrow I would have been shitting yellow. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't need that kind of stress. No, of course not. No. no. Oh. <laughs> no. Disaster averted. Oh yeah. In other yeah. news, mate. Um, our listeners can't see this because we're not on YouTube yet. But can you see this? Oh. Look at that. Yeah, we have merchandise. Oh, that's looking right. smart. That's looking it is smart. smart. However, and I have got um I've got one for you as well. Um there it is uh hang it well, where is it? Hang oh, it I can see it. So, yeah, right. Very nice. Um I did actually ask him if he could do it in the colours of the logo, which is kind of purple, isn't it? You know? Yeah. T shirt. Well that that didn't happen, but you know. Yeah. He's a mate, so uh, you, you'll get yeah. it right when he... It's looking um, nice. It, it looks good. Yeah, yeah. It's good. So I've asked him how much, and he usually says, you can't afford it, and then just oh. hands them to me for free. So oh, um, he wouldn't yeah. do that if it's merchandise I'm selling, though, but these are for us, so... Yeah, you know, yeah, that's fair enough. I had a T-shirt arrive today from America. Oh, yeah. Um, sort of a very special edition one. Um, sort of going back to music. It's the only piece of official merchandise that has the bass player Pino Palladino on. Like oh, the really? only official one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's back from the late 90s when he used to play with um, all the neo-soul artists of New York. Um, oh, so not, not Paul Young? No, no. Right. <laughs> After that, yeah. And okay. oh, it's a lovely T-shirt. It's a lovely T-shirt. Oh, wicked stuff, man, yeah. Yeah. The import yeah. fees uh, stung me a bit, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, I'm t- I'm telling you, man. Right, everything at the moment is about tax, tax really? take. You know, um, I I knew it was coming because you can't be paying out this furlough shit for you know eighteen months or whatever it is, and no. and not claw it back somehow. But what really pisses me off about it is that the very people that had to work through this pandemic are the ones that are now paying for the furlough. In their taxes, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. I I know. I agree. I agree. I don't. I don't really want to. You know, be sounding negative and ranty all the time, but it it is that exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, I wanted to talk about um, you know the the recent ridiculous fuel shortage scenario. Mm. You know, oh, there was that's... no, there was no fuel shortage. That no. was totally manufactured. I drove past the place today. One forty-three for diesel. 
Right. So 143. That's right. So so have have a think about this, right? And you know, I did briefly work for part of the oil industry. Right. So I actually know quite a bit about Was this. it the high paid part or the <laughs> No, it was the part where I was driving a forklift truck, right? Oh um and doing everything else in the warehouse. I was the only only person that did the the dirty work basically. Um I used to work for a company called Cambrian Oil Distribution, and I sincerely hope they went bust because uh, they were a bunch of absolute cunts. Uh, Anyway, um, right, so this manufactured fuel crisis, because that is entirely what it is. I'm not saying that that Boris manufactured it, but I think he did. Okay. Uh, I can't prove it. No. But they... One minute in Parliament at uh, Prime Minister's questions, he's bragging about how they've once again frozen the fuel price escalator. Oh, right. All right. So so basically, (laughs) they used to um, have a system for driving up the fuel price, all right, so that they could claim more tax off it. Yeah. But they've frozen it. What happens a week later? Manufactured fuel crisis. Price of fuel shoots up. Who's getting the tax take on it? The fucking government. Of course. Right. Of course. And it's pretty rare that the price comes down. I mean, yeah. even during the pandemic, when people weren't using their cars or flying or going on boats or whatever that required yeah. an engine, the price of oil, right, came down to zero pounds a barrel. Yes, I remember this. The fuel price didn't come down. No. No. All right? No. It's an absolute fucking con. It is. No. I knew the fuel price would start shooting up because as soon as they created this fake fuel crisis, right, everybody's panic buying. Yeah. The pumps run dry. And then what happens then? You've got all the tankers sitting offshore, right? <laughs> they are sitting offshore and they're waiting for the price of crude to go up. Yeah. All right. And what did the price of crude do? It went up to $80 a barrel. Oh. Right? During a pandemic, $0 per barrel. They were giving yeah. it away. And they were even paying some people to take it away. I know. Because the cost of storage was more than. It was worth. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So this is how how it works, right, taxation-wise. And the oil industry is the best example that you can possibly use to explain to people how much money your government is making on tax, right? And then you should ask the question, what the fuck are you doing with that tax? Yeah. I want a fucking breakdown. Okay, so here goes. So if you pump oil out of the ground, all right, and then you get, um, a, say, say for argument's sake, let's make it easy. Let's say it's $50 a barrel. Yeah. Right? A barrel, what's a barrel? 45 gallons, something like that? Yeah. yeah. That's how it used to come in to me. Okay. 45-gallon 45, 45 drum. Yeah. So you get your 50, $50. It's all in American dollars, isn't it, right? Yeah. Uh, but that... Uh, unless you're Saddam Hussein and, you know, that all goes a bit wrong. 
Okay, so yeah. $50 barrel. Yep. You pay tax on that. Corporation tax. Right. Right. Etc. It arrives at the refinery and the refinery breaks it down into the various different things it wants to break them down into. So you yeah. could be, depending on the type of crude, you could be breaking it down into diesel, uh, paraffin, you know, or petrol, aviation fluid, uh, fuel, yeah. sorry. Uh, a whole host of different things can be made by refining crude oil. Yes. Okay. Right. Now, they put all that into barrels or tankers and they sell it and they pay VAT and tax uh, to the government, uh, corporation tax, right? That goes off to distribution centers. Okay. So like the place I work for, now we would we would buy in say say for uh, for argument's sake if we're going to talk barrels but we used to buy tanks of stuff as well mine but yeah uh, oh okay let's start with a tank right so I filled a tanker with uh, what we call, used to call gas oil right? oh, that's what right, we're yeah. going to use for for people who live out in the sticks that don't have a main supply and they use oil for heating the house, yeah there's a right? lot of bit lot of places up here have got that right so. <laughs> Um, you know, you pay in advance generally for that. Yeah. And say for argument's sake, it costs you 500 quid, you know, but you're paying VAT on that, right? So they're breaking down their huge tank into smaller quantities that they're delivering to you and charging you for delivery and the oil and you're paying it all in advance and paying VAT, you know, and then you've got other things like, um, you know, they, they might break down a 45 gallon drum of what is essentially engine oil and put that into, you know, one gallon tubs, right. And they'll sell that to petrol stations and stuff. And, and they pay tax on that on corporation tax. And then petrol station pays tax on it, VAT and, and then they sell it to you and you pay VAT and, you know, and then like when you get your petrol, you're mostly paying tax on that. Yeah. Uh, but of course, the petrol station's taxed on it. You know, eventually we get down to the tiny little container of sewing machine oil, right? It's a yeah. tiny little container. It's like three in one, only it's slightly different color. All right. Yeah. And you might pay in your hardware store one pound twenty-five for that, but that's a tiny, tiny little bit of oil, maybe fifty milliliters. Yeah. That's come originally from a fifty-gallon or forty-five-gallon drum. Yeah. Of crude, yeah. The tax take is fucking unbelievable. It is yeah. unbelievable, right? So those, you know, we've manufactured a fuel crisis, and now the super tankers are sitting offshore, and they ain't coming in until you're prepared to pay more for it, and yeah. you're going to pay more because you've got a fuel crisis now, yeah. right? And of course, that's refined and taxed, and it goes to petrol stations, and you and me pay more for it and yeah. therefore by association we pay more tax that's right it's completely government manufactured they <laughs> fucking knew what they were doing you know that oil it hasn't come from the persian gulf it's brent crude it's our stuff right? Oh, okay right it's our fucking stuff <laughs> totally manufactured by the government you know the gas crisis 
Right. Oh, yeah. We have our own natural gas. Yes. Apart from that, one the country who, who basically uh, drills for oil on uh, the other side of the dividing line down the North Sea is Norway, right? Mostly. Yeah. Okay. They do not use natural gas at all. No. So they sell it to us. So there's no gas shortage. We can have it whenever we want it. Yeah. But here's the thing, right? This is about Russia. Russia wanted to extend their pipeline into Europe. That's They right. wanted to do it by bypassing Ukraine. Because yeah. Ukraine would be on our side as Europeans, if you like. Yes. Yeah. They don't want that. They want total control over when they can shut that gas supply off. Yeah. Now, countries like France go, ah, we don't care. You know, we store <laughs> gas. And what they do, they store the natural gas in old salt mines. Right? Oh, right. Uh, okay. It's a, it's a great place to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's underground. The temperature's always just, the same, et cetera. Yeah. We also store gas in underground salt mines. Oh. Right? The French have got enough gas stored to last them for seven years. Right? So, uh, Russia, you want to turn the gas off? Fuck you, mate. we got seven years to find somewhere else, right? Oh, look, yeah. there's Norway. All right? Yeah, exactly. Ain't going to be blackmailed. Britain. Have a guess how long we can manage on our stored gas supplies for. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, have a, have a random guess. Just... Pluck any figure out the air. Well, France got seven. <clears throat> seven years. Seven, seven years. years. Yeah. yeah. Seven yeah. years. Yeah. Our gas is ours. We buy a bit of Norway, you said, wasn't it? Yeah, we do, yeah. Yeah. But the majority of it's ours. Well, we've got our own North Sea oil and yeah. by default our own natural gas. Right? Yeah. Fourteen. Fourteen years. Fourteen years. Try seven days. What? We only store enough gas to last us seven days. Now, that is what a bunch of fucking wankers, right, we're living under. Seven it's, days. You see, remember, remember Margaret Thatcher, right? Okay. Not, not may particularly, she, but yes. <laughs> may, may, may she rest in hell. Um she she was infatuated with the Japanese way of doing things, and the Japanese way of doing things is lastminute.com. Okay. Yeah. They had this system called just in time. That's so, right. Yes. Which anybody else would know as last fucking minute, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, in a way, they were quite clever because what they did, they they said, look, you know, it, say, for example, we're going to manufacture cars. Um, you know, we're going to need a lot of factory space if we're going to start stocking up on on parts and you know and then we've got to have another factory that's building engines and this type of thing and a lot of employees and whenever you've got a lot of employees and stock it's money sitting on the shelf and money flying out that perhaps you could save on so what they would do is they would have a load of satellite companies around the main manufacturing plant or assembly plant right now they're not yeah. really manufacturing anything they're just assembling and all these satellite companies are doing all the manufacturing okay oh. now 
you know, you might find a, a, a take on a company and say, right, we want you to exclusively make Honda engines for us. All right. Right. And you, you give them the, the blueprints and everything or tolerances, etc. Yeah. And they make the engines. Okay. So all you do, uh, you have somebody else does panels and somebody else who makes, who stores the, the paints with the various color codes that you want yeah wheels tires you've got somebody making alloys you know exhausts the works you're not making anything you're just putting it together yeah and, and they would literally say right this week we've got orders for i don't know a thousand uh datsun cherries or whatever yeah and uh these are the various specs these are various colors they would send off those instructions to their satellite companies who never knew what the fuck was going to come through the door in terms of orders. So they had masses no. of stock, right? <laughs> and, but they could supply. I mean, and if they didn't have the stock and they couldn't supply, they'd face penalties, financial penalties, or possibly termination of contract, okay? Right. So, yeah. so actually, all the stress and the stock is being held and all that money sitting on shelves is being absorbed by little companies, little satellite <laughs> companies, Right. Yeah. If they lose that order, they go under the next day. Right. Yeah. The main company, no stress. Uh, you know, and Thatcher loved that system, just in <laughs> time. Away. And that's yeah. why we we have no manufacturing capability ourselves. No. We're just a service country. We assemble. You know. Yeah. All the skills are lost. Yeah. Because to her, there was no difference between a factory and a country. Right, so okay. if you had all your satellite companies, they could be all over Europe, right? Yeah, um, and they could ship stuff in just in time. Well, that's um, that's great if you're at peace with everybody. <laughs> yeah, but we're fucking not because it doesn't matter what anybody says. The EU are clearly pissed off with us, and they can withhold stuff and make things difficult for us. Uh, you know, and and this is why we end up having supply problems. Sad but true. Sad but true. Yeah. Seven days of us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's ridiculous. Yeah. Now that kind of brings me on to news today of the Drax power station in Selby. Oh, I don't great! Know you, have you have you ever driven past there? No, I haven't. I haven't. Right. Well, it's a fucking eyesore, to be honest. Oh, God. Right, because it's very flat around there, and you know, so it stands out for for miles, and it's pumping shit into the atmosphere left, right, and centre. But it is classed. It. Oh. It's classed as a renewable, uh, a renewables power station. So, not, unlike coal or, you know, gas, what they're doing is they burn wood pallets. Oh, okay. Most mostly wood pallets. Okay. Yeah. And what is ridiculous is they they also receive hundreds of millions of pounds every year in government subsidies. Oh, marvelous! Right. So they can't be economical. You know, if they if they're receiving those subsidies, then surely, uh, if they didn't, the price of electric would go through the fucking roof (laughs) from burning these wood pallets. Yeah. Now, the, the thinking is, this is regarded as a zero-carbon power station. Right. Now, can you think of any reason how some 
power station burning wood pallets could be zero carbon? No. No? No. Have a wild stab? I really don't know. I don't know how that would work. <laughs> well, the theory is, and, and this, is, this is how absurd that the, the whole fucking green movement is, right? Right. The theory is that when it pumps out its 14.8 million tonnes of carbon dioxide every year, right. that will be future plant food. All right. Right. Okay. Now we we know, of course, that you know that is plant food. Plants, yeah. you know, need yeah, carbon yeah. dioxide and photosynthesis. You know, and they will chuck out the byproduct of oxygen, which is great for us. Yes. But but if you put that argument to any tree hugger, right? They'll they'll say you're wrong. You're mad, uh, and 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 you're a danger to society in general. And you should be shot. <laughs> So, the government's using that very argument when the likes of Boris Johnson and his his wife, Princess Nutnut, or whatever they call her, oh yeah, Baroness Batshit, as I prefer to call her, <laughs> are constantly on this fucking green agenda all the time. Yeah, and depending on what they want to sell you, uh, you know, either carbon dioxide's great for plants, or it's killing everybody and plants. Yeah. yeah. They keep flip-flopping on what this is. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, they're burning these wood pallets and saying, oh, this, you know, it's, the thing is, you see, it's future food for growing trees, right? So yeah. the, the growing trees will be replaced thanks to the burning of wood pallets, mm. right, from previous trees. They've been kept down, yeah. Except <laughs> that it takes like at least thirty years to grow these trees to maturity. Oh, of course. Yeah. So you're going to pump out fourteen point eight million tons of carbon dioxide for at least thirty years before that can actually really be classed as carbon zero, carbon neutral. Yeah. It's bullshit. In anybody's language, it's bullshit. The timing but, on it just doesn't fit. <laughs> yes, no, at all. Yeah, it just doesn't. But here you are, right? Yeah. How would you? We're we're saying in a ranking of say one to ten of the power stations in Britain include say nuclear, coal, gas, you name it, oil fired. Where would that rank in the top ten for pollution? Oh. Well, it depends on what they're classing as pollution on that day, really. If it is. You know, well, I mean, annually then. Oh, annually? Yeah. Oh, I think it, it's got to be up there. Isn't it? It's got to be up there. Right it's up number there. fucking one. <laughs> it's number one. It's I the mean, biggest polluter of any power station in Britain. It's the third worst polluter in the whole of Europe. Oh, I mean, one minute it's pollution. The next yeah. minute it's plant food. So... Yeah. They need to make their mind up on that before they put it on the list. No, oh, they just like I said, yeah, it's whatever they just fucking, flip flop. Yeah, it's whatever suits them on the day. Yeah, and it's utter bullshit. Now, this is going to link in with something else here, right? Right. And one of your favourite topics, oh, um, no. which which we we should go into more detail sometime. Um, now, I noticed as well today another news story where 
Um, there is a company who is making uh, a huge ship that's something like, um, I think it's something like, oh gosh, I don't know, 200 meters long. Oh, okay. 40, 40 wide. And it's right. got 80 foot tall sails, um, something like five of them. And oh. these things can, can be turned into the wind or in any direction. So you can always catch, and they're not like your canvas sails. It's sort of like made out of something else. They, they kind of look Oh, yeah, all the this, modern sort of, yeah, I know what you no, mean. No, 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 they're kind of just like no. pillars, really. But they're, no. they're um, you know, oval in shape. Right? Oh, so, okay. And and I and apparently they're they're retractable as well. So if you've got really strong high winds, it's not going to tip the ship over. Yeah. <laughs> now they they say that it can sort of uh, reach an average an average speed of about ten knots, which I think is a bit slow. Uh, yeah. But they say that that will get uh, across the Atlantic in twelve days. Whereas currently, you know, um, ships going across take about eight days. Twelve days. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe I. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Not with that top speed. <laughs> no, I, I think that's yeah. ambitious. It is ambitious. ambitious. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting though. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I've I've come up with the perfect solution to save the world right right and i'm i'm fully expecting a, a nobel prize for this right okay because re remember your your favorite little subject of piecrete oh yes well, you <laughs> tell us all about piecrete phil oh it are marvelous marvelous invention that is it, 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 i i quite I find it quite fascinating. Um, I'm glad it wasn't used. Um, essentially, it was a way to make cheap ships uh, out of this sort of combination, but also make it very sort of hardy and uh, tough, really. Uh, it's ice, essentially, um, and wood, um, sawdust. Um, yeah, or wood pulp. Just, yeah, wood pulp. Yeah, it's just frozen wood pulp all mixed together. Makes a very hardy material, um, and they were going to build aircraft carriers and battleships and God knows what during uh, World War Two. <laughs> yes, um, uh, I think what they were going to actually do was manufacture one gigantic aircraft carrier that was more more like the size of a small island, really. Yeah, it was going to be uh, used by like all of the um, Allied forces. Yeah, as a floating and, base. <laughs> yeah, because they found that. Um, you know, like you could, if you had a block of ice, you could fire a bullet into it and it would shatter. Yes. But mixed with the wood pulp or uh, sawdust, the the bullet would just be absorbed and and just make a very small hole, not go through or anything. No. Occasionally, would... it would bounce back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, Lord Mount, Lord Mountbatten, Louis Mountbatten was a big fan of this. And, he was. Uh, yeah. He even dropped a lump of it into Churchill's bathtub. <laughs> That's and, right. Uh, yeah, and of course, as the the outer coatings of ice melted off in Churchill's bath, but it was stabilised then underneath by the uh, wood pulp. Yeah, amazing, amazing stuff. So here's here's my 
uh, Nobel Prize winning solution for saving the world. And I'm expecting my prize to come through any minute now. I, I'm going to construct enormous sailing ships out of Pycrete, right? Right. And when, when they get to wherever the destination is, you allow it to melt uh, because, it, it, you know, any, anything above minus 15 degrees and it's going to start melting, right? Yeah. So you allow it to melt in port and you just scoop up with a sieve all the wood pulp, and then you fire your power stations with that wood pulp. Oh, shit. Right? Fucking genius. I like fucking, that. Fucking genius, mate. Absolute I genius, like right? And if I don't get a Nobel Peace Prize for that, directly from, uh, you know, Princess Nutnut and <laughs> Boris, you know, putting in a word for me, then uh, I'm going to go on the rampage. I really am. I mean, that's... That's pretty good. You could sail it into a dry dock, drain yeah. all the water out, then you can just have, you know, an excavator picking up all the wood pulp at the end, save you sieving it. Well, you can well t- t- all yeah. you need is um, a wind-powered conveyor belt, just, you know, like a mesh belt. Yeah. And all the wood pulp just falls on that as the ice melts and it's just taking yeah. it away constantly. You wouldn't, oh. wouldn't even have to excavate it then, would you? No, and you can All just pop the sails on the next build. Exactly. Reusable exactly. resources. There you go. You see? Thinking, <laughs> man. Right? Let me tell you, right? All, the be- all the best ideas come out of Wales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I quite like that. I quite like that idea. Yeah. Obviously, it's never going to happen, sadly. Um, but... What, what do you mean? Yeah. Oh, they won't allow that. Won't allow I'm working that. on it now. Yeah. I've been out the shed. <laughs> you, you put it in the bath. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a working model on Rose Park Lake within a fortnight. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that is... Actually, though, that is quite a good idea, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it could work. It could. It could. Depending on the tolerances and what it's carrying, you know, weight-wise. Well... Um, the only thing with... The actual thing with Pikery is ships ships bend. They do, yeah. They do. So you've got to be a bit careful of that. Because um, the, the actual bottom of a ship isn't straight at all. No, um, well, they would bend. Anyway, apparently it did bend. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah, reading was up like, on that earlier. Yeah, yeah well, with the, the pulp, you know, it's going to give it, it that it's, sort it's of, sag, bit of elasticity. Bit, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, like a banana. Yeah. Yeah. So there we are. That's yeah. <clears throat> that's me saving the world yet again this fucking week. If you want a captain, I'm in. <laughs> uh, <all right. laughs> I tell you what, this saving the world shit is quite tiring. It really is. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. You deserve a break from that. Though. I think, and I, I think so. Yes. <laughs> so um, right, I, I was going to mention that um, I am no longer. On the shelf. No longer on the shelf. No longer on the shelf. Oh. No, I'm, I am not going to be this Christmas's elf on the shelf. Um, I am a taken man. And I'm oh, that's good. Very pleased about that. That's nice to hear. Um, how it came about was um, it wasn't Facebook dating. And, uh, and, <laughs> and, and yes, it is a woman. Uh, or she is a woman. Um, yes. I've I've definitely checked. Um, 
Well, it's, it's somebody I've known for a while. I mean, you know her. And, um, you know, I kind of, I was out with my mate one, uh, you know, Sullivan, my mate Sullivan one night. Yeah. Uh, with his, his missus. His missus is great because she doesn't drink. And so she always becomes a designated driver. But they picked me up so I could get pissed as well. Oh, that's um, nice. We went out for a, a meal at the Greek place. And, um, Basically, they were saying to me, oh, you know, why don't you go and ask out Helen, the hairdresser? And, you know, she's lovely. And uh, I said, no, she's, she's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, back in the day, uh, way out of my league. Uh, whereas now, you know, I, I just consider everyone to be out of my league. Uh, you know, I might, hell, I might get lucky. Who knows? <laughs> but I've got nothing to offer other than me. You know, I, I don't, pardon me, Burpin, but I'm drinking Doomba. Uh, anyway. <laughs> So I was, I was say, look, I've given away everything. I've given away a house, all my money, everything. I've got nothing. All, all I've got is me. And, and if that's okay for you, then great. Let's, you know. So, yeah. um, but I, I kept going on about Helen. And I, I said, look, you know, uh, she's lovely and all that. And I don't really know her. And I'm really shit at dating. And um, there's a bloke lurking in the background you know, right. what, is he an ex? What well, I don't know, and I just don't want to be f- having to find out. You no. know, because um, yeah, I kind of I've seen him. I wouldn't be afraid of him. You know, he's he's bigger than me, and you know, well, he's bald, <laughs> bald guys, and he looks menacing. But you know, that that wouldn't that wouldn't frighten me at all. It's just I don't no. want the shit. I just don't want that. Exactly, shit. you just want hassle, a hassle-free life. Of course, I do. No, I mean she's she she uh, she's got dogs. She loves the dogs and stuff. Well, I love dogs as well, but I like to give them back. You know, <laughs> I mean they are they are wonderful creatures. Dogs, you know they'll yeah. they'll die for you, and also oh, yeah. they they adore you and they'll do anything and they can't wait for you to come home and that type of thing. But you yeah, know, I live on my own and I could, just can't be leaving a dog on its own all day. And no, no. you know and. I, like I, like you know, if I'm walking 13 mile a day, I don't want to go and on a nice dog walk after. No, of so, course not. So I thought yeah. I'm not sure we'd be a match, me and Helen. You know, even if she was interested. Yeah. So, but I, I said to him, I said, listen, mate. I said I've got somebody in mind that I've liked for a long time. I said, and I know she's single because she was going out with one of our sort of musical mates. Yeah. For four years, and and he. Rather charmingly dumped her by text, mm. and and then blocked a number. Oh. You know, he he, he kind of said, um, oh, "I think it's time to move on," and that was it. Oh god! And blocked a number, <laughs> blocked her on social media. You know, so she couldn't Christ. even sort of like without going to see him, couldn't even get any kind of response from him. You know, no. And I, I thought, God, that's fucking awful. But that happened a couple of, well, maybe a month after me and Joe split up. Yeah. So it's been like about a year that we've we've known of each other being single, you know. But yeah, yeah. I didn't know if she liked me or not. But, you know, like I say, we mate Sullivan and his missus were trying to prize something out of me. <laughs> so I, I said, listen, mate, I said, you know, I said, I like Claire. I like Claire a lot. So I've always liked Claire. She's She's lovely she's cute she's you know 
she's independent. She doesn't, she's not like a needy person or anything, or doesn't she no. have a, a dark side that I can detect? Um, so I, I just, you know, I went home end of the evening pissed, you know, and which is rare, <laughs> rare for me. And, but you know, I'm on Facebook going, Oh, cheers, Phil and Augustine for taking me out and feeding me, getting me pissed and dragging out a confession as to who I like, blah, de blah. Well, the next thing I know, um, Claire herself has commented on the post going, oh, who is it? <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. I, so I just went, oh, no, I, I'm not saying on Facebook. You know? Yeah. So next thing I know, now Sullivan texted me and said, um, he said, I've booked a table for four oh. at the Panama Indian takeaway on Witchers Road in Cardiff. Oh, yes. He said, so uh, I'll see you there Monday night, 7 p.m. I'm like, who's the other person, Phil? Right? Yeah. Then I get a text message from Claire saying, um, I don't know if Phil's putting you up to this, but he's booked a table at the Panama for four and says that I should come along. So I just went, well, he's not, he's not putting you up to anything. I said, I said it was you I was talking about on Facebook. She goes, yeah, but was that just because you were drunk? And I went, no. I said that was before I was drunk. You know, so I got drunk after that. So um, she said, well, I don't really fancy going into like a foursome cold turkey. Do you want to meet up beforehand the day before? So, so we did. That's a so, smart move. That's, that's a smart move. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> and this is how lovely she is, right? She said to me later on, she said, oh, God. She said, that, that was probably the worst thing I could have suggested us do when you, you walk 13 mile a day to go for a nice long walk somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I thought, well, that's that's a change from um, you know previous partners because they've always said, "Oh, stop being a bloody bus. It's only a little <laughs> walk," you know. And I thought, yeah, but you don't do it. So, I mean, that was a good start, anyway, knowing that she she thinks about things like that, and and we've we've just hit it off really, really brilliantly well. Oh, and, that's good. Uh, yeah, so that's that's all really that's good. lovely. Yeah, yeah, I, I've met her now. Um... Yeah. Very friendly, very nice. Yeah, yeah and, and she's lost two stones since uh, the last time I saw her, so she's very very slim now. Yeah, really good. It takes a lot uh, of dedication, that. I'm trying to lose yeah, some weight. Slowly. Well, I, mate, honestly, I feel like a monster by the side of her. You know? She says, oh don't, oh, don't be so daft. But, you know, I actually, from the side, I actually have the same profile as a Muscovy duck. Right? And there's no getting away with it. Can't get around oh, it. Scooby Duck. Yeah. I look fucking ridiculous. Oh. So, you know, i got to do something about that. I've got big hips at the moment. I'm sort oh, of ch- jet- child, jetting child out. bearing oh. Yeah, sort of just jetting out. Yeah. Right. Well, um, my, my brother's always had what, what I used to call child-bearing hips. Right. And um, he, he really sort of didn't like me saying that. Um, I used to wind him up mercilessly about it. But when when I was getting married, uh, God, half a century ago, it seems, um, we decided to hire suits because, yeah, I'm not a suit person. I want to give it back after. Yeah. So um, I'd arranged to go for some suit fittings. And uh, it didn't matter what size trousers they gave him. He just 
he just couldn't get them up over his hips, right? <laughs> and um, or or he, you know, he'd have this massive sort of waistband that you know. Yeah. So um, the the you know and it was one of the, the guys serving us was a typical oh suits you sir type you know? <laughs> yeah and and he just said to my brother he said well you have what we call in the business sir childbearing hips <laughs> <laughs> i was on the floor <laughs> dying and oh. uh my brother's adamant to this day that i briefed this guy in advance <laughs> but i absolutely hadn't i hadn't no. said a word to him you know <laughs> So, so there we go. Happy days. Not sing. Not single anymore. It's all good, and I I feel alive again. That's good. Not desperately, sort of lonely and sad. Um, yeah. But I'm glad no, I didn't just sort of. Yeah. I mean, we could have got together a year ago, but it just kind of wasn't. I don't know. You see, this is the thing, right? Me and Joe split up. Joe switched her emotions off that day. Right. Uh, Wazo obviously did the same thing with Claire because he just texted her and said. You know, I think it's time to move on. Yeah. Right? Very cold. Now, Claire, Claire said to me, well, why didn't we just get together a year ago? We've wasted a year. And I said, well, the reason is because you give a fuck about other people's feelings, and so do I. I said, for example, Wazo sees you now with me. Joe sees you with me. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, are they going to get upset? No, they're not. They fucking yeah. don't care. I said, but we cared, and that's why we didn't just sort of say, hey, why don't we go out together? Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> crazy but true. Yeah. <sighs> so, anyway, uh, just just before I became happy again, <laughs> I upset a load of people on Facebook again. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, what have you done? Well, you see... I, you, you know, on, on Facebook, you, you kind of get targeted with adverts, um, trying to get money off you for something, right? Yes. And for some reason, I was, I, I don't know what it is, because, I mean, you know that as soon as you've got Facebook open or certainly Messenger, they're listening to anything you say through the microphone. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're right. out. We're out. Right. right. Okay. So I was suddenly getting lots of adverts for cancer charities and stuff like that. Right. Um, now, I, maybe I mentioned to me mate on the phone one day that, uh, you know, I think it's ibuprofen causing me to have a bleeding pile and it's oh, not, God, yeah. not arse cancer, right? Yeah. So it picks up the word cancer. Mm. Next thing I know, I'm getting bombarded with cancer. Demands for money. Not demands, but, you know, yeah. pressure and all that sort of thing so i i thought right i'm going to comment on all these posts with the same question how's the cure coming on right right now i i had a lot of very very angry people um calling me all sorts of things and um, right. if you if you believe what they say they they're all um you know nobel prize-winning cancer specialists and yeah. what the fuck would i know about it and i i said i'm not saying i know anything about cancer no i'm saying how's the cure coming on right yeah and they absolutely slag me off and get other people to slag me off as well and 
you know, um, and they'd have sort of come round and and sort of slapped me in the face or something, or, you know, in groups, or it, you know, if they could find me. I'm like, listen, right? Well, actually, I didn't bother to explain this to them. No. Okay? It sounds it sounds like I'm being a right cunt, really, doesn't it? <laughs> a little bit, but right? actually, actually, <laughs> myself and you have we've we've done. A, quite a bit of work for cancer charities in the past, teenage yeah. specialised, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Things like that, right? Um, Marie Curie, I did a gig for Marie Curie, right? Um, which was totally bogus as far as I'm concerned. It was just a way of, of, of the particular pub getting us to play for fuck all, right? Right. So there's, but all my life, I've done charity things for, for cancer charities, raising money, donating money, you know. Um, and I think I'm entitled to ask that question. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I, if, if, for example, um, you, you'd come up with a product, uh, like met, lots of people do, and, they, and they'll put on, you know, crowdfunding things, for example, right? Oh, yeah. And they, and they want to crowdfund and, you know, you can have this exciting new thing if you're if we raise enough money to manufacture it and yeah. you, can, you can be part of the success of this company's fledgling company story and you know or 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 if maybe you've got shares in something you know yeah. um if if you said to me uh listen mate right i'm starting a business um i'm i'm going to be um making sausages out of cauliflower and uh you know chickpeas for vegetarians it's the real deal you wait till you see them we're going to make a fortune will you please invest in my business right right well 40 years down the line and i still haven't had an answer from you how it's fucking going <laughs> right yeah and anybody would say i'm a fucking fool a sucker you know the you know fools are and their money easily parted right yeah because because yeah. i'm pumping money into something i'm not getting any fucking i'm not getting any heads up how's it going you know if i s said to you phil how's it going with the you know the cauliflower chickpea sausages right and you kept saying to me how dare you ask what would you know about oh god you you know, oh, God. I would yeah. just say, well, I'm sorry, mate. I'm not going to fucking give you any more money, right? And I sincerely no. hope you go bust, right? So, you know, I. it's not, for me, it's not a sensitive subject. I want to fucking know, how's it going? Now, I know not all cancers are the same. Right? No, of course not. But I promise you this, there's no money in a cure right right there's only money in long-term treatment right? right and we know for example that with our nhs they are forced to pay inflated prices for everything yes you go to your gp and and say oh i've got this pain in my testicles and he has a fumble and goes well there's no lumps oh, it's uh you probably yeah. just uh you know your missus just need you in the night <laughs> uh but I'm not going to write you a prescription for uh, paracetamol because it cost us 15 quid a packet and you can get it for 30 pence in Tesco. 
right? That's how fucking outrageously wrong the whole healthcare system is, right? Yeah. The money is in the treatment, not in the cure. And that's why you will never get an answer to how is the cure coming on. Okay. So, so yeah, I upset a lot of people on Facebook, but as far as I'm concerned, they deserve mm -hmm. to be upset because they're not giving us any kind of heads up or answers. No. I understand your point there. I do understand your point. Yeah. I mean, it's delicate. You've got to have balls oh, to do is. this. You've got to oh, have absolutely. balls to do this. You know, most people will never, ever, ever, because they think, ooh, that's a bit of a sensitive subject, and well, yeah. what, what are people going to think of me? I don't fucking care. I no. want people who have cancer to be cured. Oh, it's cool. as simple as that. Yeah. yeah. You know? So actually, I, I, I feel like I'm doing the right thing by saying, tell me, what have you fucking done with all that money? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which brings me on to the next subject. Right. Right. Pretty, pretty Patel. Oh, God. Now, <laughs> to be fair, from the neck up, good looking girl. Right. Okay. Really not sure what's happening neck down, but you know, ooh, it's not good. It's not right. good. <laughs> but but that's not what I'm going to be talking about, really. You know, no. I mean, you know, people come in various shapes and sizes, and she certainly does. So yes. on the news today, Sky News are making a big thing of this. Uh, I'm not oh, really sure why okay. they suddenly started doing it, but talking about the migrants again coming over from France. Right. Now, you know, that's a little bit of a sensitive subject, you know, for naval people. Yes. Like, like yourself. Yes. And it's a sensitive subject all around because you, you mention it and you're a fucking racist. Right? <laughs> yeah, or you're the complete opposite and you want everyone to come over here. And, oh, yeah, you're a Marxist. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that fucking Jeremy Corbyn, fucking terrorist <laughs> sympathizer. Look at them all coming over here. Every one of them fighting age male. Not one of them is a fucking child. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. I yeah. love the term fighting age male. It's, yes. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Sky News making a big thing of it today. And uh, right. they've actually got somebody stood on the beach in France. No, filming the boats leaving, oh. and and yeah, but here here's the thing, mate. Right, they're actually filming the boats leaving and then swinging the camera around at the uh, the police on the beach. They're just watching it all happen. Oh, okay. And and the police are dressed in body armor. Yes, but stood around chatting. They're not doing anything. Mm. You know, now that's what that's going to rile up everybody back here in Blighty. Right? Yeah. Because Pretty Patel gave the French an extra 54 million taxpayers' pounds to stop that happening. Yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. what excuse can they possibly have for just standing around on the beach and doing nothing? Uh, <laughs> Do you know what their excuse was? No. We was outnumbered. Okay. Outnumbered by the, by the migrants. The migrants, right? Desperately trying to get on a dinghy, were not yeah. dressed in riot gear with battens yeah. and 
all the other paraphernalia that comes with with a, a riot type policeman. No, you know they were no threat at all. No, but no. this is the thing, right? They pushed this dinghy into the sea. Now it's a bigger, and there's forty people on it, right? Oh, right, okay. And they took a bit of time to start the outboard. Yeah. And then you know the the guys who've pushed it out there and started the engine, they wade back to shore to get the next lot. Oh, because there's another okay. load on the beach waiting. You can see them. Yeah. On film. Right. <sighs> so you know what I I said on on the last podcast. I think it was. You know, somebody is doing a fucking roaring trade in dinghies and outboard motors. Yeah. They fucking are. And you're not talking, you're not talking about, you know, an outboard motor made in uh, Kazakhstan. No, uh, no. The Hon- Honda engines. Yamaha. Uh, Yamaha, or, Evan yeah, Rude, I think, yeah. you know, all that type of thing. You know, these are yeah. quality outboards. So what are the French doing with that 54 million? Well, I, I know what people might think. Because in the same report, they say, well, um, you know, these these migrants are paying something like a, a thousand euros to get across the channel. Yeah. Well, mate, you know, I'm not being funny, but I couldn't raise a thousand euros right now and I'm fucking working. <laughs> yeah. Right. So where are they getting the money from? Now, your typical, these bastards coming over here type, right? They're going to think the French are giving them oh, the money out of yeah. the 54 million we sent them. Yeah. Right? Or, or buying the boats directly for them. Yes. <laughs> you know. And, oh, and it, Jesus, something's, something's got to be done. Not, I, I came up with a solution last time, didn't I? Right. Just, just yeah. come over on the ferry, check them, you know, everything. Yeah. Do it properly and safe. Yeah, because what yeah. they're doing here, they bring them, they bring them on shore, they put them in a tent, right? Whilst yeah. they're going through a bit of paperwork. Well, it's not hard to get out of a tent and run for the hills, is it? No, of course not. No. You know, I mean, it's absolutely stupid. Just, just do it properly. We're obliged to take a certain number of, you know, migrants uh, and asylum seekers. Yeah, asylum of seekers yeah. every year. Like you said last time, you know, do it properly, do it safe. Yeah, exactly. It'd be great if the whole world worked like that. <laughs> no, nobody, nobody should have to drown in the fucking channel after having had no. to pay a thousand euro for the privilege. No, exactly. Know? Well, going back to the French, you know, police standing around. I mean, I don't know your feelings on it, but I wouldn't like to get in the way of uh, a man and his, you know, new future life, or you know, providing for his family in a different country. I wouldn't want to be the person. I'm not saying everyone's violent or anything, but that's not something that I could do and get in the way of, you know. No, but they're paid, they're paid to do it, mate. <laughs> they are. They are, yes. Well, it's a different thing. Oh, of course. They're, of course, yeah. They're paid to do it. Yeah. I still, Even if I was paid to do it, I still wouldn't like doing it. Um, but, yeah. No, but, but then you wouldn't choose to do that job. I wouldn't, no. Right? No, definitely yeah. not. No. It's like, I mean, I love, I love bacon, right? Yes, um, but I wouldn't choose to be the butcher. No, uh, you know, but I'm not going to stop eating bacon, sort of thing. So no, I don't know. Maybe that's not a great example, but you make you make that choice, don't you? Yes, yeah, of um, course, yeah. So, I mean, the, you know, I've I've seen plenty of examples of uh, coppers in riot gear uh, 
especially in Australia at the moment, who seem to be oh, yeah. relishing the chance to beat shite out of people. And I have got a particular problem with that. Yeah. I've seen some images and some videos coming from Australia. It looks awful. What's that yes, mean? it is. It is. Yeah. Totally suppressed on the mainstream media. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Now, I, I, I think that what... Uh, I don't want to actually find myself getting arrested for saying this. Right. But I just don't think the protesters are thinking, right? So, for example, the clue is the copper, right, who's got a pair of goggles on or a, or a helmet with a riot shield, yeah, right, is spraying you in the face with pepper spray. Yes. Right. My reaction to that would be to spray them on their visors and goggles with black spray paint. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. That that then makes it difficult for them to see what the fuck's going on. Okay. Yes. But more importantly, they are not going to feel so mighty if they've got to take that helmet off. No. All right? No. I'll tell you no. If, if, if a cop had just started beating me with a baton, when I haven't done anything other than register my protest, right? God help me, I wouldn't hold back. No. I would not fucking hold back. No. And, you know, uh, I, I, I've spotted quite a few veterans uh, talking about stuff on Twitter like this. I think, guys, you know you know exactly what tactics the police will use. Uh, you know exactly where they're going to hit you with those buttons. It's generally not the head. No. It'll be on elbows, shoulders, you know, back knees, of the knee, ankles, back of the knees. Yeah, just the knees. A, yeah. It's doing place. capacitate and stop or yeah. something. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you can, to some degree, protect yourself against that kind of thing. Yes, you can. Um, but, the other thing I find really strange is you, you look at the line of coppers in the riot squad, right? Now, I personally, I would have a group of people in, the, in you know, facing them that grabs some of the coppers in the middle and right. pulls them in. Pull them into you, right? Yeah. The rest will go in batons flying, and then you just outflank them on both sides. You're through. <laughs> You're through. It's a thin blue yeah. line. Yeah, and I, I'm, I not any, like I'm not seeing any. I'm not seeing any strategy from these protesters. No, and, no. I mean, because I'm not yeah. saying pull them into you and beat shit out of them. No, That's what you think moving. you're going to do. Yeah, but without actually, isn't it? yeah, without actually assaulting anybody, you can get past them. <sighs> yeah, and once you pass them, yeah, you know. Unfortunately, though, in the eyes of the law, and you know actually doing that to a police officer, I think just grabbing them would constitute assault. <laughs> Sadly. Um, well, I... Uh, <laughs> in but, the, you know, in the, in the sense of, you know, the written, you know, law. But you could, you could, well, actually, I've been accused, I was actually, um, I had to go to a police station once on a charge of assault, and I'll explain that in a minute. Oh. Uh, it was the most ridiculous thing ever. So assault can be, um, you know, a, one of those crimes where, 
anything fits the bill, right? Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're doing it in self-defense because somebody's already swung a baton at you, that's self-defense, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, that's, that's the thing about strategy. The yeah. point you brought up is perfectly valid, easily counteracted, okay? Yes. But unless, unless you have that discussion. Oh, of course, you know, yeah. You, you, yeah. Yeah. Right. So I, I would never advocate violence against the police, right? No, of course not. All right. So once upon a time, I was driving my cash van down Fleet Street. Right. right. And in front of us, a bag of cement fell off the back of a flatbed truck. Right. Burst on the floor. I drove over it. Right. Oh, God. Cement dust went everywhere. Yeah. But I'm driving a cash van. I'm not, I cannot stop. No, no, of course as not. As far as I'm concerned, that may have been a way of making us stop yes. long enough for us to be attacked, right? Yeah. Okay, so anyway, I drove on, and I got to the destination on Fleet Street where we were collecting cash from. Right. Um, whilst I'm sat there parked, uh, and before the, the crew could get out of the cab, because all the doors are on timers and stuff. Yeah. Um, this guy just starts dancing up and down in front of me, like really fucking agitated. You know, um, like, have you ever seen that guy, uh, Jonathan Pye? This oh, guy, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he gets really angry and jumps up and down and shouts at the camera. This guy was like that. Um, and he was taking down registration numbers and all sorts, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to have to run this fucker over in a minute because he's stopping us now doing our job. Right? Yeah, and and that's actually illegal, by the way. Yes, to stop a cash run. So anyway, uh, off he eventually went off once he'd taken down enough details, <laughs> and I didn't know what the fuck to make of it really. But I I thought something's something's going to go down here. I you know yeah. But anyway, got back to the office at the end of the day, and uh, the guys the controllers, as they call them, said to me, uh You've got to go to the police station. You're being charged with assault. Oh. What? And apparently I'd covered this guy in cement dust and ruined his suit. Right? Oh. And um, now I, I've got to get this right, but remember the bill? Yes, I remember the bill. What was the name of the police station there? Sunhill. Sun, Sun Hill. Yeah, that right. was it. Well, the real police station is on Snow Hill. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. And they told me, oh, you've got to go to Snow Hill Police Station. Now, I'd watched a bill maybe once. I yeah. thought, they're taking the piss out of me. They're winding me up, so I didn't go. Right? <laughs> so I went in the next day, and they said, um, uh, they're going to arrest you if you don't fucking go. So I thought, ooh. Oh, I don't yeah. Want, I, yeah, I don't want that. So um, I duly found a place and went there. And uh, so a young sort of I think he might have been a sergeant. I can't remember now. He said to me, you're coming to the interview room and, and sat down and he said, right, he said, um, he said, you, you could potentially be charged with assault here because uh, of this incident. And he explained it to me. And, and he said that this guy said that I was laughing in his face, right? <laughs> so I said, well, look, um, can I, can I kind of explain to you my side of the story? No, and I did, and I told him exactly what I've told you. I yeah. said, no, I can see him dancing up and down, 
from the inside of my cab. I said through like uh, an inch of bulletproof glass, which yeah. is dark green. I said from the outside, you can't see me unless yeah. I got the interior light on, which I didn't. It's broad daylight. Yeah. I said, so how can he say we were all laughing at him? Right. Yeah. I said, what we were actually doing is thinking, is, is this guy trying to hold us up? Are we going to be attacked? Yeah. And I said, and for that reason, I nearly actually took him out with the bull bars. Right? Unfortunately, off he went. Yeah. So I said, to be honest with you, mate, I said, we, we drove through a bag of cement that fell off a flatbed. I said, that can sometimes, something like that could have been a way of stopping us. Yeah. Right? I said, then he turns up. I said, I just think he's a nutter. I said, you know, he was wearing a what I would describe as, you know, um, a royal blue suit. Oh, I said, I didn't okay. see any cement dust on it. <laughs> Thinking about it, I said, if it, I mean, if he was covered in dust, I would probably would have gone, oh shit, you know. Yeah. We did that, and you know, I'd pay for his dry cleaning. I said, in <laughs> fact, I will pay for his dry cleaning if that's what he wants. I said, but how have I assaulted him? And they went, oh, you'd be surprised. That can be classed as assault. Oh god. So I said this. I said, if he wants me done for assault like that, I said, he is. He's a nutter. And the cop said to me, he said, I think you're right. I think he is a nutter. He said, I'm not taking any action. Yeah. And, and that was the end of that. <laughs> so, yeah, actually, you, you can get yourself into some serious shit without doing anything and be charged with something like that. That is very true. Yeah. <laughs> so... Anyway, I think I think we've we've actually got a Nazi to talk about this week, haven't we? We have, yes. It's been a so, while since the last one. <laughs> it's been a while, but I think I think we should we'll have a we'll have a break there, Phil, because yep. once again I've I've got cramp everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I need I need to walk around for a bit. You know, I'm getting old now. And uh and we'll come back and tell you all about it. Yeah. <laughs> Winke, 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 denn zum Winken gibt es immer einen Grund. Geh an Frauen, geh vorüber, ohne einen zarten Wink mit einem Blick. Und sich führt ein kleines, zartes, ganz diskretes und apartes Winke, winke, ins Glück. Okay, mate, so uh, who's your Nazi? Got a different type of Nazi, in my opinion, today. We have got Karl Plague, or Plague. Um, I'm never good with the uh, pronunciations. Well, I, I, I think it's Plage. Plage? Oh, that's fancy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> no. Now, you have pre, pre-warned me that it's going to be difficult to convict this guy. Yeah, I think so. Um, so this Nazi, <clears throat> there's been a few films, uh, or one good film, uh, 
made about him called the Good Nazi. Right. Okay. Well, we've had one of those already. <laughs> you turned out to be. <laughs> we did, didn't we? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So today we have got uh, Karl Plage, Plage, uh, Major. Um, quite an interesting sort of uh, background um, from his beginnings, really. Um, so he was an actual officer, so he was a major um, during uh, the Second World War. Um, not affiliated with sort of um, the higher echelons of the Nazi party in his military service. Right, okay. Um, but essentially he was a veteran uh, of World War I, uh, partially disabled, um, and a civil engineer. Um, so after the war that was his trade. Okay. Uh, and he joined the Nazi Party um, in its early in the early days, nineteen thirty-one. Right. And his idea of joining allegedly um, was to sort of rebuild, uh, sort of build back better. Uh, oh, I oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, from the economic collapse after the war, uh, after the First World War. Yeah. Now he was a lecturer. Um, sort of in the organisation, um, but he was dismissed from that position um, for being unwilling to teach racism and for his uh, opposition to Nazi racist apologies, apparently. Right. I mean, that kind of suggests that he's not really a Nazi, doesn't it? No, it sounds like he signed up to something that sounded good at the time and has changed his mind. Yeah. Which sort of harkens to sort of modern sort of things these days. <laughs> yeah. 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 So he stopped participating in all of the actual Nazi party activities. Um, and when uh, war was declared, um, 1939, um, he left the party. Right. Well, so, did, or, actually, I yeah. think he, he left in 1935. Didn't I he? think that's when he stopped doing any um, sort of activities with them, um, right. but actually okay. left the party when the war broke out, um, right. which is a good, good idea, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so far, so good, I think. I think. I mean, you shouldn't have joined the Nazi party in the first place, but, you know, what can you do? <laughs> so during the actual Second World War, he used his position as a staff officer um, in the German army. So in the Wehrmacht, not SS, not Gestapo, not any of the sort of Nazi-affiliated um, sort of sections. So he, was, he was part of the general war machine rather than... Um, yeah, he was in the, in the normal know. army. Yeah. Yeah, not... Yeah, just a normal soldier, so to speak. Uh, and this is where it gets quite interesting. So, like I said, he used his position as a staff officer, um, to employ and protect Jews in the Vilna ghetto. Uh, that's what what we would know as Vilnius in Lithuania, I think. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So with his position of being sort of, you know, a, a ranking officer, um, he employed actual Jewish people um, who were living inside that actual ghetto um, to try and protect them. Um, to stop them getting sent off to places, death camps, concentration camps, or just straight up being uh, murdered. 
right. um, to start with. So he, if previously he just only sort of employed Jews who lived inside the ghetto. Um, but when it was due to sort of be terminated and gotten rid of, um, he set up a forced labour camp. Right. Instead. Um, and this is apparently where he saved many male Jews by issuing them official work permits on the false premise that their holders' skills were vital to the German war effort. So essentially just writing, you know, making stuff up on these work permits to save now, people. I, I understand as well that um, not only did he do that, but he insisted that their families were employed as well. Yes, so um, they didn't yeah, get he, separated or anything. Exactly, yeah. He put the sort of case forward that if these male, predominantly male workers' families were still alive, it would make them work harder because they had something, you know, to go back home to after, yeah. you know, they completed their work on behalf of the uh, Nazis, essentially. Yeah. Uh, which is a very clever sort of system. I uh, quite like the idea of, you know, using that as a sort of way to sort of get things going and keeping people but, alive. Uh, but, um, you know, bearing in mind they were planning uh, and fully expecting to win the war. Of course. Could you see a future when those people would be released to use those newfound skills they've got? No, no, never. Right. Okay, never. so, <laughs> all right. That's That's interesting that he said that's what he was doing it for. Yeah, I think he was sort of a way, um, so the way he explained it to his higher-ups was, you know, like a false promise to keep workers working hard, um, you know, for an eventuality that would, you know, if the Nazis had won the war, that would have never have come around anyway. <sighs> so it was, it was kind of a, I don't know, to... He was he was giving the, those Jewish people hope for the future, when probably you know he knew he, he wouldn't be able to promise that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Yeah. In 1944, um, unfortunately, the SAS uh, the SS um, were coming in uh, and wanted to, in sort of quotation marks, liquidate uh, the remaining prisoners in July of that year. Um, which is something that was sort of out of his control um, with him just being regular army and the SS uh, coming in and taking charge. It wasn't anything that he could have stopped himself. Um, but he managed um, to warn some prisoners in, in advance, um, around about 200, um, and then sort of help them and enable them to be able to hide from the SS. Um, and that was until the uh, Red Army uh, came in um, and sort of took over when they took over control of that area. So, right, so even though, yeah. Okay, well, well um, presumably uh, he didn't stick around waiting for the Red Army to turn up then. <laughs> no, no, uh, I wouldn't either. Um, I think we've come across this before. Um, which side would you rather be captured by, um, essentially, uh, the Red Army or the uh, British, uh, American, um, and the Free Forces? Uh, yeah, 
So apparently of 100,000 pre-war Jews in uh, Vilnius, Vilnius uh, only 2,000 survived. Um, apparently that was one of the largest single group uh, of 2,000 that was saved by him, uh, which is an incredible achievement um, by the looks of it. That's a lot of people. <laughs> it really is. I, I think... I think um, you 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 say that, but I, I think actually um, he had two thousand people in that labor yeah. camp. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. The largest? Of those. No, I don't think he saved all of them. No, no, he saved but, I mean, uh, a large it, like, group out of them. Say a hundred thousand people. You know that that would more than fill your average Premier League football stadium. Right. Oh yeah, that's a lot of fucking people, and for only, for say, say for argument's sake, if only two thousand survived, you know that that is genocide. By, you know, it is genocide. Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent it is. Yeah. yeah. And for people to to consistently deny the Holocaust is just absurd. I really don't understand. I just don't understand that thought or how how it's still happening i really don't yeah no i don't i don't i think it's just astonishing yeah and this on that similar thought of actual you know modern day or neo-nazis denying it when yeah. it was such a big part um of the program i really i don't understand i don't understand how how it happens i really don't <laughs> it's crazy you yeah. So during this time then, uh, so Plague uh, was tried before an Allied denazification court, uh, which has come up before. Um, yeah, I mean, it pretty much uh, all were. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, in 1947, uh, which accepted his plea uh, to be classified as a fellow traveller of the Nazi party. Right. So not actually, um, you know, as, you know, a sympathizer of sorts or you know being a complete um sort of to the other end of the spectrum there yeah. um so the fellow traveler identifies a person who is intellectually sympathetic to the ideology of a political organization and who cooperates with it but without being a sort of formal member yeah. um so someone who's like like it says someone along for the ride uh, yeah. essentially so, along with his plea to be classified as a fellow traveller um, of the Nazi party, um, his rescue activities, um, he said, were undertaken for humanitarian reasons rather than actual opposition uh, to the Nazi party. Um, right. So, he wasn't doing it out of the, I hate Nazis, he was doing it just as a normal human being would. Essentially, yeah. they're taking a hell of a risk. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, own personal safety. Yes, yeah, but very human, uh, very human sort of. Yeah, a human sort of thought process, really, on what a decent, normal human being would try to do, without thinking yeah. about themselves so much. Really, it takes a lot of bravery, you know. Because oh, absolutely. I mean, if if you are found to be, um, you know, saving Jews, 
generally you'd be looking at the death penalty yourself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, not, not um, something where you're sat on death row waiting for a, a trial and no, mm. just a bullet in the face, basically. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Luckily, though, when he did surrender, obviously surrender to um, the West, uh, to the US, uh, rather than the Red. So I think that sort of saved him a little bit because if the actual yeah. Soviets had gone hand of him and seen he was in charge of a labor camp, um, I think that would have been the end of him sort of right there, right then, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when he was going through uh, his plea uh, in court, um himself and some of his uh, subordinates um, were telling the court about his efforts to help um, forced laborers. Um, and that's where the classification of fellow traveler uh, rather than a Nazi uh, came to sort of fruition. But unfortunately, um, he had been a member of the Nazi party for quite a long time and from sort of the really early stages of that. Yeah. Um, so that worked against him, unfortunately. Um, and he did serve time in prison. Um, so sort of a bit of a mixed bag at the moment. Um, sounds like he's done a lot of good, but he's been locked up because of his um, association um, from the early stages of the formation of the Nazi party, uh, which is yeah. understandable to a certain extent. Um, yeah. the same as a lot of Nazis there who started off, you know, really early. Yeah. It's all quite mixed up so far. <laughs> a lot of yeah. things to think about and sort of which way it could go and which way it couldn't. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, people who were actually uh, prisoners in the camp that he was running, uh, came and, uh, sort of gave their, uh, sort of, uh, readings well, character um, witness so, yeah character, character witness that's a good yeah. yeah that's a good way of putting it yeah. yeah 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 um you know some of his subordinates and people who were there uh but the court didn't uh, exonerate him completely um unfortunately and he spent uh, quite a bit of time in the prison uh for 10 years i believe which is quite a long time wow that's that's yeah i mean that's, that's... the same as uh, uh albert speer mm. yeah Exactly. Now, that seems disproportionate, really, because Speer clearly had, you know, the, the blood of oh. uh, thousands of people on his hands. Yeah. It doesn't add up, really. I can understand with him being the, you know, the commanding officer of a, you know, a forced labor camp. But, you know, yeah. with what good he had done, you know, in trying to rescue people and such. Um the court really didn't take that into consideration, uh, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. It's a shame. <laughs> you see, the problem is, you know, we don't have access to those court records. No. Right? Um, so you can't really see what the court said. They may not have even been released yet. No, no. You know. That's true. Yeah. In which case, a lot of people could be under the the wrong impression that he was a good guy. Yeah, that's true. I mean, all we've got are sort of write-ups uh, that were done after the fact uh, by yeah. numerous people. No one sort of as close to it or, you know, or getting what was actually said in court at all. 
Um, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. But for 10 years, it doesn't sound good. It really no. doesn't sound good. I mean, some people can be incredibly convincing in in court. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, especially if you've had time to think about it. <laughs> like um, war's uh, worth of time to think yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, by 1943 latest, just about everybody knew they were losing. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, at that point, I think if it was me, I'd be trying to find a way to make myself look good, really. Yeah, I mean, at that time, a lot of high-ranking officials, you know, had sort of put all their decks in a row and sort of had their backup plans on what they were going to do. Um, yeah. You know, not excuses, but, you know, um, different testimonies and, you know, some even escape plans. Yeah. Uh, which we've heard about before. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay, so, I mean, he he died not long after being released from prison as well, didn't he? That's right, yeah. <sighs> Must have been, what was it, 1957? 57. Yeah, 1957. Yeah. Do we know what his cause of death was? I don't. <laughs> I yeah. should do, but I don't. <laughs> Um, I mean, a lot of Nazis um, after the war died in stupid circumstances. Well, we've had a couple <laughs> who seem to have had strokes. Uh, yes. You know, um, but yeah, I, I mean, suspicious circumstances is always uh, is always I, a good one. Oh, I know, you, and that's just a catch-all for yeah, absolutely anything really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mm. you know, um, his, um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he died at 59. That's not that old, really. No. Um, no. I mean, during the war, he would have been sort of looked in his position, you know, looked after. Yeah. Uh, you know, the best of, you know, everything, really, uh, life-wise, there, to the best of the ability, you know, good rations, uh, good food. Um, e easy work, not task. You know, is something that's too tasking, like being on the front line. Um, yeah. The only thing really he was sort of disabled from the uh, previous war, from World War One. Um, yeah. That's all we've got, really. Anything that would sort of go against that. But yeah, fifty-nine—that's that's no age. No, it's not. Um, so now, usual thing. Yes. Whenever you look up something about an alleged good Nazi, yes, especially on Google, which is highly censored anyway, that is true. You, you'll just you just won't find anything. It no. seems like if somebody has been labelled as some kind of hero, um, even if facts later came out that he, he was a, actually a Nazi cunt, right? Yeah. That would be suppressed. Yes. And so I haven't been able to find any definitive answers about whether he was a bad guy or not. No. But I have managed to dig up a few things, okay? Right, okay. So he joined the German army 
not as a soldier in the trenches like our old mate Hitler, right? No. He joined as a lieutenant. Oof. All right. So, you know, he was officer material straight away. I don't know how that works unless you are part of the moneyed uh, part of society with connections. Especially at that time. Uh, Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Right, so... Now, the thing was, he was captured in the war, First World War, by the British. Marvellous. And, uh, you know, you will you'll, you'll read about how he was released in 1920. And, uh, yeah. Bloody, bloody, blah. Well, uh, hang on a minute. What do you mean, bloody, bloody, blah? <laughs> the war finished in 1918. <laughs> Why did they keep hold of him for another two years? Right. Now, here's the thing. At that time, most prisoners taken by any of the armies involved were actually mostly kept fairly close to the front lines. Yes. Where they would be used as, you know, uh, laborers. Yeah. You know, they'd have them digging trenches, digging graves. Yeah, moving things. things. Yeah. A lot of soldiers uh, who were kept pris- uh, taken prisoner would actually die because they were so close to the front and they'd die from, you know, enemy action. Yes. Right? But, oh, well, in that case, really speaking, friendly fire. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> I was just going to say that, yeah. Right, okay. Now, in the case of most prisoners that the British kept hold of, um, something like 93% of them survived. Now, I think that's remarkable because we're talking about a time when as many people died from disease as died from enemy action. That's right. So if you were taken prisoner by the British, you were fucking lucky, really lucky. Oh, yes. But I mean, yeah, he did apparently catch polio and that's what became of his disability. Right. so that that is that, is that is true. <laughs> yes, but you're talking Lucky. about a time when polio was rife. Yes, my own um, step grandfather got polio. Ooh. Just um, it was very sad, actually. Uh, and and uh, even though he was my step granddad, I didn't know my actual granddad because he was killed in the Second World War. But I, I loved him as if he was my grandfather, and he was a, a great big guy. He was about six foot four. Um, he's from Croydon originally. Hmm. Absolutely adored my grandmother, but he he uh, and his brother, um, when they were li- quite little, their their mother died, and um, I think she died in childbirth. Oh. Now their father couldn't work and look after them at the same time. No, he just couldn't do it. He had nobody else to look after them, so um, they were put into an orphanage, even though they weren't orphans. And they, uh, my step-grandfather contracted polio there. And, um, of course, he had to have a se- I think he had a series of operations yeah. at some stage to basically break his legs to reset them, you know, to, so they were straight. Um, 
But anyway, apparently when his, his father went to visit and when he saw how malnourished they were and that they'd got polio, it absolutely broke his heart and he took them out of there. And uh, it's it's so, so sad. But at those at that time, people did get, a lot of people got polio. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, it's just unfortunate that Carl Plage was one of them, uh, yes. but he, he survived the war. What I think is a bit strange is that he would have been kept prisoner probably in Britain then until yeah. 1920. Why didn't they release him in 1918 when the war was over? Ugh. There's no sort of clear answer on that. I know there's obviously a lot of sort of faff <laughs> to do with controlling prisoners of war. Uh, I know I've had to do a course on it. Uh, it's a lot of paperwork now, and I bet it was still quite a bit of paperwork back then, and sort of resettling people um, back in their home countries. Um, maybe that, maybe not. But, you know, obviously the minute the war ends, you can't just go wandering back over to the other side. Um, but I'm not sure well, that's I don't know. Time. <laughs> I don't know how that works. I mean, you know... It costs money to keep people prisoner. Yes. Now, I would, I would say, um, if I was in charge of keeping people prisoner, the first thing I would do is, is look at what sort of a threat will this person continue to be if they're released? Yeah, yeah. All right, now, if, if you're just a village idiot who got called <laughs> up in the front line, all you want to do is go back home and continue to be the village idiot. Yeah. You're not posing a threat to anybody. No, no, of course not. Right. If if you if you've got a wife and kids back home and you you know, you need to um support them financially and that's your only concern, you're no threat to anybody. No. Now this guy did have a wife back home. He did, and uh, I've seen a picture of her. She was, uh, she was a good-looking girl, you know. I like her name; it's a very pretty name. What's her name? Anka. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it's quite a nice name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he had a wife that he needed to support, and I just can't help but think there was a very, very good reason why they kept hold of him until 1920. Right. Will we find out about it? No, because they didn't keep any fucking records. No. Nothing, nothing's, you won't find it on Google. You, you no. have a look on Google. You will <clears throat> not find anything about uh, the prisoners that Britain was holding during and after the First World War. No. Right? no. But for me, there's a question mark. Why did they keep him for another two years was he fanatical back then possibly did, you know did he continue to pose a threat one thing that's sort of sticking out now that i you've sort of put that to me um is after um he was released uh he started studying chemical engineering right um and ran a pharmaceutical laboratory um, from his house. Yeah. That's a bit weird. Right. So you could argue, you know, 
First World War, you were looking at the first time, really, that chemical warfare yes. had been a thing. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, this guy's going home. He's He's working on pharmaceuticals. We don't know what exactly he was working on. He could no. have been working on, um, you know, ways to kill the enemy. Yeah. Right, with, I don't know, whatever, poisoning water. Yeah. You know, he's running it from his home. <laughs> now, you know, it, it, this, this is particularly ironic. I mean, you, I was recently revisiting Breaking Bad, right? Oh, because, yeah. Good series. New, I like that series. lady's never seen it, right? Oh, it's great. Um, Much better called Saul as well afterwards. It's great. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, El Camino. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. Yes. So basically, um, I thought to myself, I, I could actually, with my A-level in chemistry, um, start my own uh, little business making ivermectin. Oh, yeah. I remember you saying this. <laughs> But, yeah. So, you know, um, <laughs> somebody probably already has started doing that. Probably. Right? I, I but that's the kind of thing I would be doing from home <laughs> yeah. because I'm not going to be able to set up um, a little unit somewhere and start pumping that out. Well, no. Right? Uh, someone's going to smell, you know, some sort of chemicals going on. The council are going to get called. Right. And oh, you're going to be in a world of hurt then. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. So we don't really know what he was doing. It sounds to me a little bit cloak and dagger, unless, of course, you say, well, look, you know, he didn't have a lot of money. He, he couldn't afford a premises, uh, but maybe that was his ambition to eventually have enough money to, for a premises and a Possibly. factory. Yeah. But on the other hand... Possibly. He could have been trying to develop things to kill a future enemy. Yes. Most of these guys in the trenches felt that they had been betrayed by their own government. They yes. hadn't been defeated in the field. No. All right? And, and it was that betrayal which, you know, is often uh, seen as, as being partly driven by all the political factions in Germany, such yeah. as the communists, right? yes. that drove people to the Nazi party, drove them into the arms of the Nazi party. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm starting to get a picture now of this guy as being somebody who's pissed off they've lost the war, but only because they've been betrayed by their own government. Somebody who for some reason, was held in Britain for two years after the war ended. Yeah. For what reasons, we do not know. No. Somebody who starts knocking out stuff in his house, chemicals, we don't know what. Right? No. I mean, they haven't exactly said he was making aspirin. <laughs> no. So what was that? We don't know. Possibly somebody who's pissed off that he's Whilst under the care of the British, he's got polio. Yeah. We just thought maybe he was trying to develop stuff for polio sufferers. We just Possibly. don't know. No, and we'll never know for no. maybe never or maybe, you know, for a long, long time. Now, interestingly, um, 
I managed to find a documentary about the um, labor camp that he was in charge of. Right. And of course, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really sort of aimed at uh, saying how bloody marvelous he was. Yeah. Uh, well, I've, I've watched the documentary and, and I would dispute some of those findings. Okay. Right? So, the the whole reason for this documentary actually was because out of the two thousand Jews that were there, twelve hundred of them at least didn't make it. Yeah. Right. Now they went to this these series of buildings. They look like typical sort of German Second World War era blocks. Yeah. Um, not very inviting. But yeah. people live there to this day to this day because they're converted into apartments. Oh, right. They're small apartments, right? But there is some historical evidence to suggest that there are mass graves there. Oh. Right? Okay. So in come the archaeologists. Yeah. Now, they use a, a series of uh, systems to try and determine if there are mass graves there. Yeah. Such as ground penetrating radar, oh, yeah. and and something else which is a, a little bit like sonar, you know, where they're oh, okay. firing signals into the ground through a series of uh, metal stakes and yeah, you know, looking for uh, reflections and you know they, yeah. they're looking at resistivity and stuff like that as well. <laughs> now they are damn certain there are at least two mass graves there. Wow. Right, one of which they didn't know about, and one of which they were fairly certain existed. Oh, okay. Right. Oh. So he was there when those shootings were taking place. There yeah. is no question about shootings taking place in the area where one of the mass graves appears to be, because the wall behind it is full of bullet holes <sighs> with bullets still in them at head height. Yeah. Right. He was there when that yeah. was happening. Now, by around about 43, everyone knew the shit was hitting the fan. Yes. And that they were going to lose. They knew it. It was only a matter of time. He's in Lithuania, right? Not the safety of Germany, if you like. Yeah. Much closer to the Ruskies. Yes, he did employ Jews to work in his workshops. There wasn't anybody else. They were all Jewish. Right? Now, yeah. If mm. if you're a thinking man, um and I've I've often said this, right? Why would you starve your prisoners to death? Right? Why would you do that? Why would you work them to death? You have to be Utterly fucking mental. Yeah. Right? Because if you're training them to repair the vehicles that were coming into that uh, facility, you don't want to have to keep training new people because you've killed the last lot. Yeah. No, that's right. right. Now, also, anyone who's ever studied how morale works, right? Yeah. You know, you... You make sure that those people aren't starving to death. 
Um, if if the wife and kids are in the same camp, employ them too because uh, you know then you get these happy units. These people think things are looking up. Yeah, right? they will almost do anything for you. It's it's a bit like the the um, hostage taker and the hostage situation. Yes, you know they come to rely on the hostage taker. They come to sort of think they can't manage without. Although he was a lovely person, really, you know. Um, now, one thing that he did allow them to do, which I'm told he allowed them to do, yet to see the proof, was to find or to build themselves little hideaways within these blocks, these accommodation blocks. Right. Now, um, on this uh, program that I watched last night, uh, there is evidence of those in existence. Okay. Right, in, okay. These, in these apartments now. Uh, so, you know, and, and there were testimonies from, certainly from one elderly guy who was there as a child. Oh, okay, right. All right. Ooh. So, you know, it's it's possible that, yes, he allowed them to build these things so they could hide from the SS. Yeah. But it's entirely possible that it was just like, yeah, go on in. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Because ultimately, you know, there is no hiding place, really. No. You know, a determined SS coming in Gestapo, they're going to find you. Oh, yeah. Right? Hundred percent. Somebody will grass you up, and they'll find you. Yeah, you know, like Anne Frank, and you know, she did yeah. for years, and then somebody grassed her up. Yeah, and her family. So, um, now the other thing, if I was starting to shit myself about my past history as a um, camp commandant, commander, I might be thinking I need a few people on my side. Yes. I need to construct something where people will testify later, even if it's only one or two survivors, that I was a good guy. Yeah. You know, that's protecting your own neck, right? It is. But you've got to remember that while he was the commander there, 1,200 people were executed. And he was there. He, he would have heard it. He would have known yeah. those mass graves had been dug. And it was on his watch. Now, when the SS came for the children, they said, "We've," and this is so, so relevant now, they said, we have come to vaccinate the children. Mm. Right. We don't need parental consent, by the way. Ugh. Right. Well, of course, they were going to kill the children. Yes. There was no question about that. Yeah. You know, they had. Uh, you know, in fact, I think in that area, it was one of the first places where they had mobile gas chambers as well. Oh yeah. Right. And they would take them into the woods and, you know, either shoot yeah. them or you'd be in the back of the gas chamber, uh, 
gas chamber, which is basically a lorry with the exhaust going into the back of it and gashing, yeah. you know. Um, he knew he had to have known about it. But when the SS came for the children, he wasn't fucking there. No. Right? Because this was the push to kill as many Jews as possible before the Russians got there or the Americans got there. Now, what he, he'd buggered off at this stage and surrendered his entire unit to the Americans. Yeah. So in actual fact, he'd abandoned them at that yeah. stage. He did warn them. He said, oh, the SS are going to come, right? But like an awful lot of people in hostage situations, prisoner situations, they just stay put. You could hand them the keys to the gate and say, go, just go. And they don't. They stay right where they are. Mm. And so I don't believe his story. I don't believe his story. I think, I mean, you know, all right, he supposedly left the Nazi party in 35 after being told you know yeah you have to adopt this racist policy i'm not saying he was a racist no and you know i i'm not saying that at all no of course not no but But. for somebody somebody who goes through the denazification process and still gets 10 years inside remember hannah reich Right? Yes. She did not go to prison. No. Right? You like of Albert Speer, who, who made use of slave labor? Yeah. Same sentence. Yeah. It's not adding up. I'm sorry, it? but I think people have been fooled by this guy. And I've, I've struggled with this to start with. I thought, no, tripes, you know, this guy is. He is. Yeah. He's legit. He legit. He's legit. Yeah. He's a hero. But I just I just don't believe it. And I think that, you know, sort of seventy five years on, there will be records somewhere, hopefully, that will be released. Yes. And we'll find out actually what this guy was responsible for. One day, hopefully. One day. But for now, I'm not prepared to say he's a good Nazi. No, no. I'm prepared to say until I get proper evidence, he's a Nazi fucking cunt. Yep, absolutely, 100%. Yep. I mean, it started off like a good story, but there's so many inconsistencies and a lot of nonsense behind the scenes. And, you know, it's all word of mouth and hearsay at the end of the day. And people being fooled yes, by him. exactly. And I, I genuinely think, I mean, you know, when you, you told me about this guy um, well, a couple of days ago, yeah. and, I, and you said, y- your words to me is... It's going to be a hard one. <laughs> but, yeah, I think you said, but I don't think he is a Nazi. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, the whole point of us doing these, these Nazi trials really, is is actually to show that somebody wasn't a Nazi and that it was a kangaroo court that convicted yeah. them or something like that. Yeah. But no, 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 I can't. Even we've had two good Nazis now who fucking aren't. 
Yeah. They just fool people. Yeah. And with good stories, you know, good yeah. believable yeah. stories. And yeah. it just hasn't worked out either time so far. <laughs> Do you know, I doubt it's ever going to work out. Um, but who knows? Who knows? No. I mean, ultimately, and I, and I, I know this to be true, that uh, I think it was James Holland brought this up. I mean, he's an excellent historian, James Holland. He cuts through the crap and the, the shit that was written by the victorious, you know, oh, and, yeah. and gets to the facts. And I'm pretty sure he said that in actual fact, if you were told you are going to be a prison camp guard or in charge of a prison camp and you didn't agree with it, you didn't have to do it. Hmm. You could go and do something else, hmm. right? So therefore, when they actually said to him, we want you to be the commandant of a prison camp, he fucking wanted to do it. Yeah. Hmm. We're given these impressions of, of the whole Nazi system that yeah, you will do what you are told. Slap, slap, or you're going to the Eastern Front. Or, you know. <laughs> yeah. It just wasn't the case. No. If, you, if that didn't sit well with you, you didn't have to do it. Mm. So I'm sorry, but no, you, you know. No, no. It's failed, failed again. Yeah. One day, maybe. One day. Now, interestingly, um, I was going to mention that uh, I've come across a very interesting Nazi that uh, I'm going to have a look at at some oh, stage. Okay. okay. And his name is um, Arta Axman. Oh. Right? Now, okay. He was, uh, he was actually the leader of the Hitler Youth. Oh. Right? Right. And became very close to Hitler in the, in the last year of right. the war. Now, I'm going to do a little bit of investigation into this guy because apparently when, you know, let's say, for example, this is true, that Hitler and Eva Braun were dumped in a pit and burned. Yeah. Right? That although they weren't burnt completely, apparently some of Hitler's ashes were collected in a round tin Ooh. and given to Arta Axman, right? As kind of, uh, uh, you know, one of these things is a bit like having a piece of the the cross that Jesus was crucified on, you know. Yeah. Uh, and the the idea was that he could, it's a holy relic, you know, and he could continue to rebuild the Nazi uh, fucking thing. And he's he's got a couple of these relics, you know, that could be idolized and worshipped so that's a very interesting character to look into i think you'll have to look into him at some stage yeah oh absolutely absolutely yeah yeah but uh yeah so anyway uh i think that's uh a pretty good uh episode we've uh, managed to put together there at <laughs> i think so notice. yeah so looking forward to, uh, anyway, doing this gig in Bristol on Saturday. and uh, That'll be good. That'll be fun. Well, that's tomorrow. Oh, it is, yes. Yeah. Because so, we record this on a Friday. Um, I'll, I'll be probably be doing a bit of uh, anxiety shitting beforehand. But, 
Yeah. I'll be fine once we start playing. It'll be fine, mate. It'll be fine. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, I'll be on your side of the stage. Well, you're in charge well, of it, so you can put me wherever well, you want. I, that's, <laughs> that's my plan, although uh, Joe has started putting a foot down about where she stands on the stage, and I'm not sure I can be bothered to argue the case anymore. I'll just go um, where I'm told. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the way. All right, matey. Well, um, I'll see you tomorrow night, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to think of another Nazi and what have you. We will. We and will. a bit of space news. There's a bit of space news going to be coming up, I think. Oh, lovely. I mean, because don't forget that Captain Kirk oh. himself is being launched into space. Yeah, that's with, surprising. Uh, Jeff Bezos, is it the Amazon guy? Yeah. What can possibly go wrong? Oh. Personally, I wouldn't. I would not be doing it, right? No, I would not be doing it because um, you know he's ninety years old now, isn't he? He's not, is he? He's ninety. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? He's ninety. He doesn't look ninety. I'll give him he, that. He doesn't. William Shatner. Yeah. Right. Is a ledge. Absolute oh, absolutely. Legend. But he's 90 years old. Wow. You know, now, I don't know if you've ever been on uh, down Alton Towers on, on Oblivion. No. Oh, no? Okay. No. no. Well, you, you sort of go up this short sort of roller coaster type ramp, and then it's uh, the whole carriage thing, which is, is wide rather than long, sort of teeters on the edge right. before it fires you down. Uh, vertically through a black hole with oh. steam vapor being blasted into the middle of it, yeah. and you come out the other side and do a sort of roller coaster thing, right? Yeah. Um, now, I I did that when I was in my forties, and uh, my testicles were sucked up into my fucking throat, um, and it, it was pretty horrific, really, the whole thing, you know. Now, that's bad enough. To be fired into space at 90, oh. I, yeah. think, I mean, I can remember my grandmother going mental with me because I took my 80-year-old grandfather on the pirate ship in, um, in a safari park. <laughs> and she said, you could have killed him. You know? And uh, he didn't say a, a word. That he didn't, you know, everybody's cheering and screaming. He didn't say a thing, right? And I yeah. asked him about that afterwards, and he, he said he was just trying to, keep his teeth in right? <laughs> his false teeth and, and that's why he wasn't sort of screaming or shouting but anyway um so william shatner is going to be fired into space at the age of 90 and i just think to myself you could be fucking killing william shatner yeah the legend, right what if that thing explodes oh and they do do that occasionally nobody oh, miss jeff bezos right yeah but to blow William Shatner up, that would be fucking criminal. It would. <laughs> yeah, absolutely criminal. I can't I can't see any good coming out of it, you know. No. Uh, no. Fingers crossed you'll survive. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. You can live long and prosper. Well I <laughs> I've never watched an episode of Star Trek, by the way. Ever. You what? I've never watched um Dear Star God, Trek man. or anything. You don't I know, know what you're missing. Yeah. I tell you what, this um, now the there's there's been some sort of um, 
you can almost call it a remake where um, you, you've got new actors playing the part of uh, Captain James T. Kirk and Scotty and Spock and oh, okay, right? and and uh, Simon Pegg is Scotty. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, very cool. And um, I've got to say that the actor who plays Kirk and the actor who plays Spock absolutely fucking nailed it. Hmm. Brilliant. Uh, what I particularly like about it is, I mean, I grew up watching the original episodes. Yeah. And even now, just that opening music uh, and the um, captain's log update and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Incredibly atmospheric and just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But, of course, the, the episodes themselves are pretty dated, you know. Yeah, yeah. So when you when you watch these... Like I never really enjoyed, you know, um, the next generation or anything like that. No, uh, that that didn't do it for me. And some of the characters were just ridiculous. <laughs> but this this one with um, I think it's Chris Pine. I'm terrible with actors' names. Uh, they're, they're just absolutely brilliant. And and the and the girl who plays the part of Uhura, oh my god, she's gorgeous. So. <laughs> But yes, on on that note, I, I'd say uh, live long and prosper, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow night, and uh, we'll see all uh, our lovely listeners on the next show. We will, we will. Cheers, mate. Bye bye. Bye bye. She packed my bags last night, pre-flight. Zero hour, nine a.m. And I'm going to be high as a kite by then. I miss the earth so much. I miss my wife. It's lonely out in space. On such a timeless flight, and I think it's going to be a long, long time till touchdown brings me around again to find I'm not the man they think I am at home. No, 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 no. I'm a rocket man. Rocket man. Burning out his fuse up here alone. I think it's going to be a long, long time. Till touchdown brings me around again to find I'm not the man they think I am at home. Oh, no, 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 no.